Amen. Man, we're glad that you're here this morning. I want to pray for us one more time, but I want to, before I do, uh, introduce my friend Ken Freeman to you. Ken has been to our church before. He has uh, preached before our church, and he has got to see um, a piece of our history and be a part of a piece of our history. Um, yesterday, we had a great conversation with somebody that was saved in his ministry um, that goes to church with us. And uh, so I'm excited to have him here today. I've been praying for this morning for us to hear from the greatness of who Jesus is. And so as he comes, I'm going to pray. And as soon as I say amen, I want you to help welcome Ken Freeman. Lord, we just pray this morning, God, that you would open our hearts and ready us to hear from your word. God, that you would change our life by it. And Lord, today, you'd anoint Ken, Lord, with your word. Lord, we know he's prepared. So Lord, prepare us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you welcome to the stage, Ken Freeman. Well, everybody stand. Let's stand. If you've never heard me speak before, you've never, ever heard me, raise your hands. Hold them up high, and you want to give me money, all right? <laughs> I love you. That's a good thing. Uh, I am no hurry today. I left my wife on Monday, and I've been here all week. I've been very, very busy speaking a bunch. Spoke Wednesday night to your students. Been with um, uh, San Jacinto Christian Academy. I've been with them all week. We had several students saved. Um, if anybody's in a hurry, it ought to be me, because I have a seven-hour drive when we're done. And here's the deal. If you've ever driven to San Antonio from here, it's the most boring drive in the whole world. I'm just telling you, there ain't nothing. Uh, I ran into a dust storm. I had no idea what that was all about. I've been in snowstorms, rainstorms, but a long time since I've been in a dust storm. And uh, so I'm, I've been gone. And to be honest with you, uh, I'm as, as anxious as I am to get home to see my wife. Uh, I'm more anxious to just be with him today. A lot of people are praying. I was here years, years, years ago, and uh, there was a day this place was filled. And uh, let me tell you, those days are coming again. You, you can't live in the past. You got to live with today and look forward ahead. And so here's the saddest side in this room, uh, empty pews, empty seats. And we've got to figure out, how, because people, listen, your church, I love the cross, because it's like a sore thumb. It sticks out. You can see it forever away. I drove by seven churches before I got here. And so my question to you, don't answer out loud, is why would somebody want to come to your church? Because when they drive by, and by the way, I love the name of your church. I'm going to be honest with you. When we begin to take the word Baptist and Methodist, and I'm not ashamed of that, being a Baptist, but when we take those name tags off, it kind of it kind of opens up some new doors. Because when people drive by our churches, that Baptist thing and that Methodist thing and that Catholic thing, I promise you, when people drive by lost people, they say to themselves, I wonder, do I have to be a certain color to go in there? Do I have to have a certain amount of money to be in there? Do I got to dress a certain way? Evidently, we've blown that out of the water. <laughs> but here's the deal. We have to understand that if we're not, and by the way, I noticed in your bulletin, and it'd be nice if every now and then you'd read your bulletin. Uh, I like the back of it, parents' night out, couples' date night. My wife and I are going to go on a date when I get home. 
I've already got plans for Valentine's, so we're good. But I notice that your connection, growth, and I've never, I hardly ever see this word. Everybody say change. change. That's like a cuss word in the Baptist church. <laughs> and so today, your pastor and I have talked a little bit. I don't know a whole lot. But the message I'm going to preach today, and I, unlike him, we're, we're different in a lot of ways. Um, he's got to come up with stuff every week. My son's a pastor. He comes. I don't have to do it because I'm an evangelist, which means I'm in different places so I can preach some of the same messages. Now, I want you to listen to me. I never preach the same message the same way. And once it becomes like a mechanical thing, I need to get out of this thing. Man, I mean, this morning I had a great time with the Lord looking at truth, and that's what's wrong with America today. We have no absolute truth. You know, and let me just say this to you. This abortion thing, can I tell you, it's just murder for, for convenience sake. And we ought to be ashamed. And church, listen, we cannot be satisfied. You ought to always want more and more and more. Amen? Now, I'm letting you stand because you're going to be seated for a while. Amen. Everybody look at your watch. Everybody go ahead and look. Let's all look. Everybody look at it if you have one. Now we're done. We don't have to look at it anymore. Everybody say thank you. Thank you. And, and here's the deal. If you came to leave here by noon, it ain't happening. Amen. I mean, see, my deal is you probably should have stayed home and watched Joel Osteen. And I'm not being ugly. Nobody ought to be that happy. That dude needs a bad day. Can I get an amen? That dude needs to take a few of my grandkids to Chuck E. Cheese and have a bad, stinking day. Amen? Now, I'm letting you stand because um, you're judging me already. You're looking at me and you're thinking he doesn't look like a preacher, doesn't look like an evangelist. Thank you. I appreciate that compliment. Uh, but here's the bottom line. A little bit about myself. I am married. I'm married 47 years this year. I have two boys, um, <laughs> two boys that are 46 and 41. I'm old enough to be his stinking dad. <laughs> when I started doing this, I was younger than all the pastors. Now I'm older, hopefully a little wiser. I am a senior citizen. Anybody on Medicare, raise your hand. Glory to God. For Medicare. Anybody on Social Security yet? I am too. I ain't waiting until I'm 70. I started last year. But I told my wife, the day I wear my pants up to here with white socks and sandals to shoot me. Please listen. Age should never be a gauge for serving God. Whether you're a teenager or an adult, I want you to listen. Age, it's all about heart. And so today, I pray that God will pierce your heart. My pastor at our church always starts off his message with this. He said, I want to welcome you to our church today. We are an imperfect church with imperfect people. I'm an imperfect pastor. Welcome to a safe place. Amen? Amen. So I am married, two boys. I have 10 grandkids. My oldest grandson graduated from Texas A&M. We got a couple of whoops. I know, Lubbock's over here. But here's the deal. I'm the oldest of, uh, I mean, I'm, I, uh, he's the oldest of my 10 grandkids. You're going to notice I got two tattoos. This really messes you up. I promise you, somebody said you should have got a bracelet. I probably should have. 
because it's stinking hurt. But I got this one in honor of my grandson, Trey, who this year would have been about 12 or 13 years old, passed away with leukemia at seven. All of a sudden, that pink deal that we wear every now and then, it's become a heartbeat in us. Let me tell you, our loss was heaven's gain. His favorite verse is right here, Psalms 56.3, when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. I know that's messing somebody up. But can I tell you about this? I get to tell you about my grandson again. Can I tell you about this? I, when you get a tattoo, it's supposed to make you a bad boy. I'm not. I'm, I'm a softie. I cry at puppy chow commercials. I cry at little stinking stupid house on the prairie. Don't even have to know the plot. And then I got my last tattoo because his two brothers were in a wreck over a year ago. In fact, in just a couple of weeks, one, one walked away, no broken bones, got hit head on with a semi-truck, 70 miles an hour. Uh, Clayton walked away, Caleb didn't, severe brain damage, 10% chance he'd live, 90% chance he'd be of no value. Uh, just go to Facebook, go to Pray for Caleb Freeman, and you'll see a miracle of God. We're still wanting more. He's walked back into his church last August. And then just to, in February, it'll be a year, he was in a semi-coma for two weeks. Today, he's at a church with my son. They're doing a revival together. They're driving back and forth, and he's now speaking into people's lives. He wants to run cross-country again. He's a junior in high school. We've been to hell and back. Amen. And see, guys, we just sing a bunch of songs. And let me tell you, I, I never wanted to know what it would be like to lose a, a kid or a grandkid, but I know the pain. And today, love on your children a little more. Love on your family a little more. But I want you to listen. There are Ken Freemans out there that are driving by your church and seven other churches on the way to here that just need Jesus. Amen. They need hope. Amen. So I'm married. Everything's cool. I got a dog named Peaches. My boys think that I love Peaches more than them, and I do. <laughs> she wants a biscuit. They want my money. I love Peaches. She poops in my backyard. They pooped in my life. I love peaches. Can I get an amen? amen. I love the ones that ain't laughed yet. You need to laugh. Because here's why. Out here in the foyer, I'm not going to get rich. My books are out there. I've written two or three books. Uh, my story's out there on a DVD and CD. If you buy one of those, burn about 50 copies and give them away. I don't care. But I'll be there when this is over for as long as I need to be. My mom said I'd never make it. I had nine stepfathers growing up. I was in jail at 15, suicidal at 10. After one of my dads beat me pretty bad, took my first drink of alcohol at nine. I slept in bars and cars and streets and alleys, backyards and garages. And are you ready for this? And there were churches all around me. But nobody knocking on our door. My dad was a gutless man, knew how to make a baby, didn't want to be a daddy to a baby. Nine stepfathers, 24 different schools, five different high schools, beat up and bullied at home, beat up and bullied at school. And at the age of 16, I ended up in Corpus Christi, Texas. I was born in Virginia, just got to Texas as quickly as I could. Let me tell you, whatever goes down in this world, Texas is going to be okay. In fact, everybody's probably going to move to Texas. But I ended up on a couch, kind of like the Blindside movie. A family took me in. I had nowhere to go. This football player got me to go to church. 
named Jeff, and everybody ought to have a Jeff in their life. And Jeff got me to go to church. I got saved. I'll never be the same. I ended up in San Antonio, Texas, and then where I live today. A family took me in my junior year in high school. I ended up in a camper shoved up in their carport. I thought it was a condo. Graduated from high school, two years of college, written three books, married 47 years, two boys, 10 grandkids, and I want you to listen. I ain't got over what Jesus did for me over 50 years ago. I'm, I'm going to be 67 in March. I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. Amen. Amen? Now, I know we've been standing a while. For you that are taking medicine, it's 1053. See, here's what's sad. We come to church. We should not come to church expecting to leave at a certain time. I pray in the next weeks that God gets all over the messages and the worship and that you might camp here for a while. Amen? Amen. Anybody hungry for Jesus today? God's getting ready to rock some people's worlds. Look at somebody eyeball to eyeball. Look at them good. Before you be seated, look at them. Say exactly what I tell you to say. Look at them good. Say, God loves you, but I'm still working on it. You know why you're laughing, right? Because you're still working on it. Amen? Amen. Quietly be seated. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In your bulletin, you got a place for notes. And uh, I'm going to give you a whole lot of notes. Uh, They may throw some stuff up on the screen. I normally don't give that. I I just preach, but I went ahead and gave a few notes. I never know if if I'm going to go this direction, but I am today. Everybody say, this is a test. Now, you may not be used to talking. You may used to just be sitting there and spectating. I want us to participate. If you can hear me, say, I can. Oh, be strong. If you're listening, say, I am. If you're not in a hurry to get out of here, say, I'm not in a hurry. Because, see, here's the deal. Isn't it amazing? We go to basketball games or football games or we'll go to the mall or a movie. It's not about time. In fact, I heard a guy say it this way. It's not the length of a service because we go to, I went to, I went to like five basketball games this week just to support that school. I went to a movie this week. I mean, it's amazing. We'll go hunting all day. We'll shop all day. It's not the length of a service. Are you ready? I'm giving you some good stuff. It's the appetite of the people. Guys, if we were hungry for lost people, if we were hungry for a lost and dying world, if we were hungry for this word, listen, you couldn't build a building big enough. It's the appetite of the people. Now, I love the Spurs. I love the Cowboys. I love my wife. I love my dog Peaches. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. There's a lot of things. I love strawberry cheesecake. In fact, I want a piece of it right now. But here's the deal. My love for God ought to seem like nothing else matters. And 50 years ago, he changed my life. It's going to be 51 this coming October. And I'm never, ever going to be the same. But we got a problem, Kyle. we got a problem. See, I believe our churches are full of people. Everybody do this with me. Everybody point to your head. Everybody say you can know about God. Point to your heart without knowing God. 
See, I believe there are people in our church, the reason they're critical, the reason they're skeptical, the reason they gossip, the reason they just can't serve, the reason they're always complaining. And I notice that you have a cry room. We ought to have a cry room for adults. I would not be a good pastor. I praise God for you and myself. I wouldn't because I'd slap somebody. I wouldn't vote on it, put it in the bulletin. I'd just hit them. I'd repent, and they'd be messed up, and I'd be forgiven. Can I get an amen? amen? What bothers me is when I hear these people come to the pastor, one of these days I'm going to leave. If I was the pastor, I would say my prayers have been answered. Go. <laughs> Go find a dead church. My favorite one, pastors, I was here before you, and then I would say, and when the rapture comes, you're still going to be here. Can I get an Amen. Do you understand that this church is not yours, it's his? And God's more concerned about this church than he is this building. Amen? Amen? Can you tell we're going to be here a while? Oh, I would love to be an appetizer on your table today. Everybody say, this is a test? Say, final exam. Go, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 12. If you read 11 and 12, in fact, in 2 Corinthians 12... Would you look at verse 6? I've, I've never read from, from here doing this message, but I am today. It says, if I wanted to, but now I'm new, using the new, new Living Translation. What do you use, Pastor? ESV. Okay, ESV, my son does too. He wants me to get a real Bible one day. I use the NLT. I just like how it reads. The ESV is the best translation. It is the most truest, but I like how this reads. Listen to what it says in verse 6. If I, Paul says, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Amen. Can I give you a great statement? Truth is not always popular, but truth is always right. Listen, read on. He says this. He says, even though, verse 7, I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, I love this verse, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, the hardships, persecutions and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am. Then I am. Are we having fun yet? In a moment for you that are taking notes, you're going to number one through five. I'm going to give you five things today, and here's what I want to tell you. If you claim to pass the test of faith, final exam, if you claim that Jesus Christ is your Lord, is your Lord and Savior, in other words, you don't know about him, but you truly know him, these five things that I'm about to give you, according to Scripture, should have happened in your salvation. And if they didn't, you're lost today. And by the way, you get five out of five, not four out of five, not three out of five. Because let me tell you, if you don't get five out of five, 
You, you failed the test. And I want you to listen. God doesn't grade on the curve. Amen. Everybody know what a curve is in school? Raise your hand. How many of y'all prayed for a curve when you were in school? How many of y'all, the curve didn't really make a lot of difference? You still failed. I mean, if the highest grade was a 50, they curved it to 100, then I got a 50 because zero was looking horrible. God grades on the, everybody say the cross. Man, I love your cross on the top of this building. I'd make it even bigger. I'd make it a neon thing where it just stands out. If you're listening, say yes. So Paul says, church, we got a problem. You know, I think the Corinthian church might have been a little Baptist. They argued over everything. I mean, we ought to have a sign out in front of our church that says, can't we just get along? They argued over, they argued over the Lord's Supper. They argued over the gifts of the Spirit. They argued, they argued over a lot of stuff. And so look what Paul does here in verse 14. Here we go. I'll give you the test in a little bit. He said, church, I'm coming to you for a third time. This is actually my third time probably to be in this church. He said, I don't want to be a burden to you. Now get ready to speak when I pause. He said, I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want what you have. I don't want what you possess. But Paul says, I want, I want. Everybody point to yourself. Everybody do this. Even you lazy people. Even you that are mad at me right now. Everybody say, God wants me. Say all of me, the best of me, the worst of me, the rich of me, the poor of me, all of me. you got to stop and listen. God doesn't want a part of you. He wants everything that you are. Because if he gets all of you, here's what I believe. See, I believe you can give your money, your tithe. My wife will tithe. Whatever I'm getting this week, I will tithe when I go home. I, I don't get to be in my church next weekend, but maybe the next. Here's the bottom line. But my wife always will write a tithe check. I think you ought to give your tithe. And you know that if everybody in this church tithe like they ought to tithe, you could build and do whatever you want to do. I think you can give your tithe. Listen to this. You can give your talents. You can give your time without giving him your life. Did you hear what I just said? There are churches that will pray, give their money and their time, but they've never given their life to Jesus Christ. They know about God, but have never been changed by God. Amen? Dude, I used to be shy. I used to be insecure. I used to be a loner. Ta-da! 2 Timothy 1.7, he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I think when I wake up, the devil says, oh no, he's awake. Can I get an amen? So he says, I don't want what you have. I don't want what I want as you. See, Kyle, I believe when we give our life totally to him, he gets everything. My grandson, that was his anyway. You, do you think I heard every now and then? You think I grieve just a little? Oh, I miss him. But one day, I'll, listen, our loss was heaven's gain. Amen. And Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as he sit in the 11th floor in Dallas Children's Medical City Hospital on September 1st, in his bedroom was my son, his wife, and the three oldest siblings. He went blind 45 minutes before he passed away. 
And listen to the question that he asked his mom. Oh, he was a Christian. He got saved January the 8th of 2013. September 1st of 2013 goes blind. The only thing keeping him alive is the breathing machine, slowly turning it down. And listen to what he asked my daughter-in-law, my son's wife. Hey, Mom, I'm going to die, right? He was seven years old. And he knew on the 11th floor that you either died, went through, got in remission, he knew, or you got healed. And listen to what his mom said. Trey, remember, Jesus is the boss of your life. He didn't call him Savior. He called him boss. He was okay with that. He said, remember, Jesus is the boss of your life? Yes, ma'am. She said, Trey, you're never going to die, but you're getting ready to really live. Listen to me. No matter what gets thrown your way, if you claim to pass the test of faith, then we ought to be living the life of Jesus. Listen, the worship today was, was powerful. The kingdom of God, the spirit of God, the person of God lives in us. Paul said, I want you. Go if you would to verse 19. Go quickly. I'm going to get to my test. I'm trying. If you've already learned something right now, say, I've learned something. See, every time, you need to be praying for this pastor. We had a prayer meeting Saturday night, about 10 or 12 men. I was here. I got to be here. You know what I challenge you? Next Saturday night, just all the men of the church meet here and come pray. Guys, if God is going to grow this thing, if God is going to fill up this building, it's going to happen when we get on our face. Verse 19. Paul, has, Paul says this, church, perhaps you think we're saying these things to defend ourselves. No, 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 no. We tell you this as Christ's servants, get ready to speak. And with God as our witness, get ready to speak. Everything we do, dear friends, is for your what? Say benefit. Say edification. It's for your strengthening according to some scriptures. I mean, the Bible study that you have, this deal that you're going to have with the, the date night, the parent night, all of this is to strengthen Sunday school, whatever you call it, connect groups. All of that is to strengthen, to benefit, and bless our lives. Amen. How many of y'all think I could preach all day and all night? Anybody here? Amen. And I'm not going to get anything extra for it. I mean, I could have got up here and gave you a 20-minute message and said, oh, be blessed. But I'm praying that God just does something today, that this might be one of those stones that we could put right here and go, that day. Amen. Keep reading. Verse 20. Paul, three times, notice this, says, I'm afraid. Paul says, for I'm afraid when I come, I won't like what I find and you're not going to like what you hear. Keep reading. I'm afraid that when I come, look at this, Kyle. This is what I'm going to find. Everybody say quarreling. Say jealousy. Anger. Look at the list. Say selfishness. Slander. Gossip. Arrogance. Disorderly behavior. Guess who he's talking to? Not prostitutes, not politicians, not pimps, not prisoners. He's talking to people that go to. 
It sounds like a Baptist business meeting. (laughs) Kyle, you're going to love this. We have no more business meetings in our church. Our church is pastor-led and it's elder-ran. Oh, we got deacons too. Hoping Hoping they're deaconing or whatever they're supposed to do. See, can I just tell you, if we just came together and we were so in love with Jesus and we came hungry, our appetite for him, I just want more. I can't get enough. This week, I've been waking up about 4.30, 4.45. I asked God, I, 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 God, I feel like I'm wasting time. And so God began to wake me up. I quit setting my alarm. I set it for six. I thought, and I normally get up about then, but this week, God has poured into me this week in his word. It's been incredible, the prayer time, and I'm not going to let it stop this year. Oh, keep reading. Verse 21. I am afraid that when I come again, God will humble me in your presence. I will be grieved. Now watch, because many of you who have not given up on your old sins, in other words, you have not repented of your impurity, your sexual immorality, and your eagerness for lustful pleasure. Do you know, think about this, the devil doesn't work from the outside in. The devil will always work from the inside out. There's more adultery, more divorces, more sexual sin. There's more garbage going on in our church maybe than the world. He said, listen to what he said. I know, you've, I know you've read, I don't know if you've ever preached from this, but listen to what he said. Church, this is my third time, and you still don't have it right. You love your sin, you love yourself, you complain, you're jealous, you backbite, you gossip. He said, maybe, maybe I know the reason. Now go to chapter 13. We're almost going to get to the test and go to verse 5. Go to chapter 13 and look at verse 5. I really appreciate your, your tech people doing this. Look at what he said. What's the very first two words? I'd underline that. You know what I told the students? And by the way, I wish many of you parents could have been, could have peeped in on Thursday morning. I wish there was some way you could have looked in to see the move of God in this school. God's doing some great things. I want to come back and get in your public schools. You ought, listen, anytime you read scripture, this, and I, I haven't heard him preach, but I know he's got a passion. I know he loves this church. I want you to listen. Anytime you start reading, look for a key verse or look for a key word, a key verse in the chapter or a key word in that verse. And here it is. Everybody say, examine yourself. Examine who? Because see, here's what we're good at. You know what we're good at, Kyle? Man, I hope they're listening today. God, they just, God, they haven't been here forever. Get them, God. Sick them, God. Examine who? Look at this. To see if your faith, I love how mine reads, is genuine. To make sure you're, what he's saying is make sure you're born of God. Make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. In fact, he, re, he says, the next line he says, test yourselves. And I, now, I want to say, I don't like how this reads, but keep it there. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. The really correct part, it probably says it in ESV. It says, make sure that you know that Jesus Christ is in you. 
Galatians 2.20, one of my life verses. I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is it? Um, First uh, uh, John 4, 4, greater is he that is in than he that is in the? Do you understand that Jesus, if you claim to pass the test of faith, he lives in you. You have a desire for his word. You're hungry for lost people. Dude, you're looking at a dude. My mom held a knife to my throat at 10, drug my sister into my bedroom because we slept in our school clothes at night. From the age of 10 to 15, I slept on the floor next to my baby sister's bed. When my mom would come in from drinking or partying, I could wake her up. We could slip out the back door and hide in a garage, a street, an alley. But one night, I actually got in my bed, woke up with a knife to my throat, whiskey breath in my face, telling me I came from hell. You're looking at a dude, I, I lived in fear, I, I lived in hate, I lived in rejection. And 51 years ago, this coming October, Jesus Christ changed everything. And you know who's hurt me more than anybody since I've been in the church? Anybody want to guess? The church. Because I don't dress like they want me to dress, now I got a tattoo. 60-something years old, I get my first and second tattoos. I want you to listen. The people that we love the most sometimes will hurt us the most. The devil makes sure of that. This ought to be a play. And by the way, um, your people were kind to let us use your church this week. And I've met some of your people. There's some loving people in this place. He said, examine yourselves, watch, make sure your faith is real. Test yourselves, make sure that Jesus Christ is in you. And look at the next line. If not, you have, if not, you have. See, we have the scripture up here for, for you lazy people that decided to come without your Bible. I'm not being, now if you're here and you're lost, somebody invited you, I'm not talking to you. We did this for you because we love you. But for you people that say that you love God, that you know God, and you don't bring your Bible to church, what were you thinking? I mean, if you get in your car, you better have keys. Hello? Amen. You ain't going nowhere. If you go to the store, you better have cash, check, or credit card, because they could care less about your faith. This Bible is the cash, the check, the credit card, the key, the gas in your life. Amen. This is my 10th preaching Bible. My last preaching Bible is on my desk. I'm going to give each one of my grandkids one of my preaching Bibles. He says, examine yourselves. Make sure your faith is real. Examine yourself. Make sure Jesus is in you. Unless indeed you fail the test. Do you see it? Now, let me give you the test. Are you all ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Man, I hope you're taking notes. I'm not being ugly. It means I'm getting ready to be. Ma'am, if your husband didn't bring something to write on, don't, don't let him look at your paper. Be selfish. I'm kidding. Number one, are you ready? If you claim to be saved, you claim to pass the test of faith, write this down. The Holy Spirit of God should have started your salvation. Write it down. You cannot be saved without the Spirit of God in your life. This morning as I read, the key word was truth. And I want you to listen. Oprah Winfrey, by the way, is lost as the day is long. 
I didn't say she's, she's a good person, but she's lost. Oprah Winfrey, I heard from her own lips say, there's a lot of ways to get to God. Amen. Evidently, she ain't met Jesus. Because Jesus said, I'm not a way. I'm not a, he said, I am the way, the truth. So the whole, now here's the deal. I'm going to camp here. Because remember, five out of five. If the Holy Spirit did not start your salvation, you've never been saved. Now, here's what you got to do. You got to go back and look and when you were saved. Kyle, when were you saved? 86. How old were you? Seven years old. You remember? Uh, dude that prayed with me in the blue jacket right here. When were you saved? 1958. Seven. Yeah, we're, we're really close. When were you saved, sir? Yes, sir. Okay, all right, and then you right here. No, you're okay. I'm glad you told me. All right, now look at me. I asked four guys when they were saved. And you know what I'll get? If I ask, try this. Hey, are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized when I was eight. Hey, are you a Christian? I got christened in the Catholic Church. Hey, are you a Christian? I was sprinkling the Methodist church about three times. Hey, are you saved? Well, I got baptized at least four. Hey, are you saved? My dad's a preacher. Hey, are you saved? You know, I joined a church. Hey, are... do you understand? These four men, when I asked, they told me when they were saved. See, I'm not saying you got to remember everything, but you ought to remember when you got saved. I got married August 17, 1972, on a Thursday night. Started at 6.30, Northwest Military Highway, San Antonio, Texas, Castle Hills, First Baptist Church. I kind of remember when I got married. Hello? October of 1968, on a Wednesday night, Second Baptist Church on Furman Street. They've now moved from there. I, I said I do to Jesus. And here's the deal, men. You better remember when you, were, when you got married, because if you forget that date, there won't be a rapture. <laughs> the greatest day of my life was when I met Jesus. And I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my kids, my grandkids. I wouldn't have anything. The only good thing about me is him. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to give you verses. Are you ready? John 6, 44. You can write it down. John 6, 44. For no one can come to God unless the Father who sent me draws. In other words, no one can come to God unless the Spirit of God draws them. I'm good at what I do. He's good at what he does. We can convince you you need a Savior. It's the Spirit that will convict you. Amen? Amen? So here's what you got to do. You got to go back and look at when you were saved. Did, did the Spirit of God start it? Amen. Did the Holy Spirit initiate? I was in Jonesboro, Arkansas, preaching this message. Are you ready for this, Kyle? My third, I went to that church three years in a row. They had me every spring for three years. Got in their schools. All three times that I went on Sunday morning, I preached this message. So I preached Sunday morning, third time. Sunday night I preached, Monday night, Tuesday night I'm getting ready to get up to preach and God kind of spoke to me. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm just telling you, he said, I want you to do the test. I, it was a loud, I said, God, 
I've already done that here three times. Like God didn't know that. Oops, my bad. So I got up in front of about 1,500 people, big church, Central Baptist, Jonesboro, Arkansas. I said, church, if you were here the last three years, if you were here Sunday, you're getting ready to hear the message I preached already three times. And I started off, this is a test. And then I said, the Holy Spirit starts salvation. And as soon as I said it, there was a young man sitting on the second row with with his youth group, but his youth pastor was next to him, and they both got up and they left. Now, I didn't follow. Now, I hate it when people get up and go to the bathroom. Now, let me just say this. That's usually for children and kids. Mom and Dad, I, I know that if you get up, something's going on. But how would you like it if in the middle of my message, about four or five times, I went to the bathroom? How many of y'all, that would bug you a little bit? Anybody here? Hold up your hands if it would bug you. But yet, it's like we can do whatever we want. But when the dude left, they kind of left out that door, headed to the choir. I'm thinking something's going on It's only happened twice. That was the first. He left. Now, I want you to listen. Can the Holy Spirit deal with an eight-year-old, yes or no? Evidently, he could deal with a seven-year-old. But here's what bothers me. Please listen. Before I go any further, everybody say doubt. How many of y'all have ever doubted your salvation? Raise your hand. Are you ready for this? I used to say this, Kyle, God forgive me, and he did. I used to say if you're 99% sure that you're saved, you're 100% sure that you're lost. Everybody say doubt. Can I tell you why we doubt God? This is something I'd write down. The reason we doubt God is when we stop doing for God. Oh, I do not believe works save us. You'll see that. I don't believe that at all. But what does he say in James 1 around verse 19, 20? He said, don't be hearers of the word, but be You see, I I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit can deal, but here's what bothers me. I meet people who say they were saved at 8 or 10 or 12, and now they're 18, 38, 58, 68. I want you to listen, and they they, they could give a rip about the things of God. Can I tell you why? Because I don't believe they were ever saved. Now, I don't know what you believe here, but I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe God has good kids and bad kids. Can I get an amen? Amen. But see, here's what I believe. There are people who say that they were saved, but nothing, listen, every day God's changing me to be more like him. I want to be a better man of God. I want to be a better dad, grandfather, husband. I want to be a better neighbor. I'm hungry for that. John 16, let's see what scripture I gave him on this. John 16 talks about the Holy Spirit. I think I gave it to him. Let's see if he'll throw it up. John 16, there it is. But now I'm, Jesus said, I'm going to go away to the one who sent me. Now watch this. Kyle, this is going to make a whole lot of sense. And now the one, the one who was asking where I'm going, watch, not one of you asked where I'm going. Instead, you grieved of what I've told you. Look at the next verse. And I love this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send you the, everybody say Holy Spirit. Watch this. The advocate won't come. In other words, the Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And look at the next verse. For when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its, and of God's, and of the coming. Do you understand? Please listen. 
When the Holy Spirit dealt with you, whether you were 7, 17, or 70, when the Holy Spirit dealt with you, he will convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I got saved at 16. I knew nothing about the Bible. I ended up living with this other family my junior year in high school in San Antonio, Texas. And man, I began to read the Bible. Man, I mean, I began to read books. And all of a sudden, I understood who the Holy Spirit was. You got to preach on the Spirit one of these times. Because it's the Spirit of God that makes a difference in a great church and a good church. It's the Spirit of God that makes a difference in worship and in singing. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Start salvation. Number two, write this down. This is the second thing that should have happened in your salvation. Everybody say lost. Can't be saved till you realize you're lost. Everybody say lost. Can't be saved. Now, let me just say this to you. You don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to hell because you are. You don't go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because you are. That's the deal. Hell is going to be full of good people. Hell is going to be full, according to Matthew 7, you ought to read it, hell will be full of good people, moral people, people who did right stuff. They knew about him, but they never knew him. Everybody say lost. Now, before I give you the scripture, maybe it's already up there. Are you ready for this? Before I give you the scripture, let me give you the definition of lost. Write this down. Lost means without a Savior. You and I were born without a Savior. You and I were, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, we were born dead. I see dead people. Do you remember that movie, Raise Your Hand? Are you ready for this? Do you understand that people who are not saved, who are not born again, they're walking dead people? We work with them, we live with them, we go to school with them, and I want you to, they're dead, they're just existing without God. Everybody say lost. Say without a Savior. Second definition, say unable to help yourself. See, as long as you think you can help you, as long as you think you're okay, you'll never be saved. Third thing, are you ready? Say spiritually ruined. You and I were born without a Savior, unable to help ourselves. We were spiritually ruined. And when you understand that and you recognize that you are, everybody say lost, you're a candidate to be saved. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. For everyone has, the Pope has, Billy Graham has, Ken Freeman has, We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We were all born screwed up. If you read Ephesians 5, it says that you and I, before we were saved, we weren't in the dark, like the dark, of the dark, we were darkness. Are you learning anything? Now, if you keep looking at your watch or whatever, at least you know that you're lost. I promise, I can't see everybody, but some of y'all look so bored. Dude, if you think I'm boring, trust me. I mean, I watch some of these TV guys. I have no idea how they get on there. You know, when I ask people, when I see people preaching, I ask myself, 
Do they really believe what they're saying or are they just saying it? Everybody say Holy Spirit. Spirit. Lost. Lost. Number three. There's only five, so we're, we're about halfway there. For you that are taking medicine, let me help you. It's 1128. Are y'all learning today? Isn't this good today? Here's the third one. Write down saving faith. You cannot be saved without faith. Can I say this to you? Works will never save you. But let me give you a great statement, Kyle. You're going to love this one. God gives us a faith that works. Did you hear me? He gives us a faith that works. Hebrews 11.6, are you ready? Says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's a rewarder of those who walk in faith. But can I say this to you? So if we, if, if, if we can't please God by not having faith, well, where, where do we get faith? What is, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you are saved through. For by grace you are saved through. For by grace you are saved through. Which is not of yourselves that any man should boast, but it's a gift of God. See how mine reads. God saved you by his when you believed, everybody say faith. faith. And we can't take credit for this because it is a gift of God. Amen. Everybody say saving faith. Amen. Do you understand that we didn't even have the faith to be saved? God said, I'll give it to you. Amen. What kind of faith is it? I'm going to help you. Everybody say faith. faith. Say, I believe. I believe Jesus, born of a virgin, walked on this earth, died on my cross, Buried in my tomb, rose again, coming again. He did it for me. Guys, we can't get over that. Everybody say faith. Who'd have ever dreamed that a little baby would be born in a stinking manger because there was no room for him? And by the way, America better make room for Jesus again. Who would have ever dreamed? I'm so glad that Mary and Joseph were pro-life. Who would have ever dreamed that a little boy would be born in this manger, would walk this earth, would heal, set free, deliver, save, die on a cross, raised from the dead, coming back? Listen, who would have ever dreamed that that's what was in that little manger. And the only way that we can, are you ready? It takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. And do you know that most, and I'm not being ugly, means I'm getting ready to be, this Bible, need, you need, I, I, I stressed it with the kids this week, students, you need to get your journal, you need to carry your notebook. I got tons of notes. I've got pens and cards, and I'm constantly writing things down. Make this the year that you bring a copy of your scripture. Make this the year that you read it at home, you read it at work, you read it in the car. Make this a, a time that you begin to write notes like you've never written. Everybody say saving faith. Kyle, the guy that walked out, the 18-year-old that walked out with this youth pastor came back on the stage in the middle of my message, third point. I had a handheld mic, grabbed the mic out of my hand. That's like grabbing my TV changer, fork, or phone. 
you're going to draw back a nub. He grabbed my mic, said, Brother Ken, I've got to say something. Remember, it was about 1,500 people that night. His parents were sitting up in the balcony together. They sat there for 25 years. He said, Mom and Dad, would you stand? And every, he, they're crying. He's crying. I'm crying. I don't even know why I'm crying. He said, Mom and Dad, I want you to know that I'm 18 years old, and I know you know that. She said, Mom and Dad, I've heard Brother Ken preach this message three other times. And the last two times, I knew I was lost. Here's what he said. Mom and Dad, I sat in that balcony at the age of nine. And at the age of nine, I would hear you pray, God save my son, God save my son. Kyle, I'm going to tell you, my boys never heard me pray that. Because I didn't want to pray for God save my And then they get saved. You know what I prayed in front of my boys? God become real to them. He knew what I meant. He said, Dad, I said to myself, if you pray, God save my son one more time, I'm going to stand up, go forward, and do whatever I got to do. And sure enough, Dad, nine years ago, Dad, I want you to know that I'm 18 years old. I've never had sex. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I've never done drugs. He said, Dad, the last time that I lied to you, I was in the fourth grade. Everybody say hello. Dude, if we're going to clone something, forget that sheep. Let's clone that dude right there. But here's what he said. He said, Dad, I sat up there and I stood up and I prayed some prayer and I filled out some card. And I walked down to the front and I got baptized. He said, Dad, I want to tell you, I was sitting on the second row and Brother Ken said, the Holy Spirit should have started your salvation. Here's what I, here's what I said to Dad, I got saved for you and Mom. That's why I got saved. I got saved because I knew it would make you happy. Please listen. I got saved because I knew it was the right thing. I just, it wasn't the Spirit of God. He said, Dad, 20 minutes ago, and I love this. He said, I didn't need the, the rest of the test because I already failed. He said, I failed at number one. Dad, 20 minutes ago, I just got saved. My son, who's preaching in a church this week, he's a pastor in Oklahoma, prayed a prayer with me and my wife when he was about eight years old, and, and I, we were excited about it. We had put him off because we wanted it to be real, of course. And here's what he told me. He went to a great Christian school in San Antonio, Texas, great church. And at 16, my son got saved, and here's what he told me. He was at a camp where I was preaching uh, he got up in the middle of my message and left. I thought he was in trouble, so I was going to kill him. Then he came back. I'm thinking he wants me to kill him in front of everybody. I'm just thinking. And he walked up on the stage, and here's what he said. He said, Dad, 20 minutes ago, I just got saved. He said, I, I, I don't want you to be mad. Or... And all these people thought he was saved. Now, I had some questions. And I said, when did you know you were lost? He said, Dad, I was 13 years old. He said, Dad, from the age of 13, some of y'all are going to do this today. From the age of 13 to 16, if I didn't skip out of church or skip out of chapel at our school, I would raise my hand to say I was saved, and some of you are going to do this today. He said, Dad, I would raise my hand, and he said, I knew I was saved, but in my heart, I knew I was lost. I said, was it drugs? He said, Dad, I never did drugs. Alcohol? I said, Dad, I drank a little bit with my, quote, Christian friends. I knew he was a virgin when he got married. So I said, Jeremy, if it wasn't the big things, what was it? And listen to what he said to me, God. He said, Dad, I knew how I was living. There was no way I could be saved. 
I didn't have a passion for this Bible. Oh, I read it because I had to for school. Dad, I didn't have a passion for lost people. Dad, I could be deceptive. I could, be, I could lie and cheat. And here's what he told me. He said, Dad, there's no way that I could be saved and not have a desire to want to live for God. He said, Dad, I just got saved 20 minutes ago. Everybody say saving faith. Number four. Number four, we're almost done. Everybody say almost. Yeah, it makes you feel a little better. Let me give you the fourth one. And Kyle, I hope that you'll preach this message again. I hope that you do. I'll give you my CD on it. Every now and then I've got pastors who will preach it. They'll call me up. Now, what was point five? If it'll shoot in your gun, and it can be, just put the bullet in and shoot it. But I challenge you, every two or three months, come up. Because I promise you, there are people here today that are lost. Amen. There are people here. It's, you, we're trying to disciple people that are lost. See, God wants to do great things in this place. But until we can all get on the same page with the same God, the same purpose, it involves everybody say change. Here's number four. Write this down. Say, Holy Spirit, start salvation. Lost without a Savior. Saving faith. And number four, write this word, repentance. Write the word repentance. You cannot be saved without repentance. Come on, if you're listening, say, I am. Kyle, I'm going to tell you this. Most of the people in this room are going to miss number one or number four. I've seen people get number one, they walk through number two, they get to number three, but when four happens, how many of y'all know people who say they're saved but nothing changed? Raise your hand. Hold my pie. Can I tell you why? They never got saved. Now, before we look at a verse, let me give you my definition of repentance. Would you write this down? Here's what true repentance is. Everybody say, repentance is a change. See, that, that, that loses people. This church is going to have to make more changes. Amen? Amen? My son, he's at a First Baptist church. They're getting ready to change the name of their church. They don't even know it yet, but they're going to. They got elders. They've rearranged their whole church, got rid of their pews and put in chairs. Hello. They've rearranged their stage, their worship. They just got an incredible worship pastor, and I've worked with him. And the changes they've made, are you ready? Nine years when he went there, they were running less than 400 in church, less than that in Sunday school. Nine years later, going on his 10th year, you know what's, what the change has done? They're running almost 1,000 in two services, getting ready to do a third service. Guys, Whatever we can do to draw people to this church, do it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> Even if Santa needs to come to your church, shame on you. Do you realize that the church saved them $40 in pictures? Do you realize they got to hear the gospel? Do you realize you got them in a church building? Do you, and I know some, well... Because see, if, if you have a problem with that, then take down your tree, don't give your kids scent. I gotta be careful. 
See, that's why I wouldn't be a good pastor. <laughs> Nothing. Listen to me. I, I, I find stuff out. Everybody say change. change. Now, I'm going to give you the rest of the definition, but let's stop at change. How many of you here, be honest, don't like change? Raise your hand. Come on, hold them up high. Come on, put them up. I'm not going to hold them up high. Put them down. Are you ready? Yes, you do. You just lied. You know where liars go. Washington, D.C. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Everybody in this room likes change. You do. How many of you have a microwave in your home? Raise your hand. How many of y'all remember Jiffy Pop popcorn? Did all that work and burn it. Everybody say change. How many of y'all have an ice maker in your refrigerator? Do y'all remember when you would go get the ice trays? Running under the hot water, slamming on the counter, go get ice tray number two that was left empty? Everybody say change. How many of you have a remote control TV? How many of y'all remember the first remote control? Son, go change that TV. Hold that rabbit ear right there. How many of y'all have a flat screen TV? They're the, and they're light. Do you remember the big honking TVs? Everybody say change. How many of y'all can walk away from your car and lock your car as you walk away? Everybody say change. How many of y'all have electric windows in your car? Everybody say change. If you're still doing this, you're cheap or broke. Everybody say change. How many of y'all have an electric garage door opener? Anybody here? Remember the days up and praise God. How many of you remember the first cell phone? Come on. Do you really? It came in a bag. It was that big. Everybody say change. I do my banking here. I do my accounts here. I do my booking here. Listen, I do my airfare. If you buy a computer today, it's going to change in a week. How many of y'all have a different hairstyle? Raise your hand. Now, some of y'all didn't have a lot of options. Some of you men have the, you know, the Dead Sea on the top of your head. Some of you, some of you have that Russian haircut. It's rushing to the back of your head. I'm just glad I still got hair. I know. How many of y'all, your clothes styles have changed? I mean, we're, this is about skinny as our jeans are going to get. My pastor, he's, he's, he's a little bit older than you, but he wears the skinny jeans, skinny, crazy, but he's skinny. How many of you wear contacts? Contacts. I do. Everybody say change. Your hairstyles have changed, or clothes. I want you to listen. We love change everywhere in our world, but right here. And if we're not willing to change our methods, they won't come and hear the message. Everybody say repentance is a change. Three things. Write it down. Say change of mind. That means you're going to think different. As a born-again Christian, you're going to think differently. Everybody say, repentance is a change of mind. Say, think different. Say, change of direction. 
You're going to walk different. You're not going to walk like the world. You're not going to live like, say, change of mind, direction, and say, change of purpose. You're, you're going to live differently. Listen, <laughs> Philippians 2, you can read it later, verses 13 and 14. It says that we work on our salvation with much fear and trembling. You see, you have justification, that's repentance, justice I've never, I've never sinned, and you got saved. You have sanctification, it's repentance to work out your salvation. You have glorification, one day we will be saved. I'm not real deep, you can tell. I'm just real simple. And repentance is a change. Look at it. Look at 2 Corinthians. We're almost done. Everybody say almost. Look at 2 Corinthians 7. Would you look at verse 10? Now, let me read it from most of yours, and then I'll read it from the, from the, from the screen. Are you ready? When I pause, for godly sorrow produces what? In your Bible, in your Bible. Godly sorrow produces what? That leads to and leaves no, but worldly sorrow brings, are you ready? I'll read mine in a moment. Let me put my definition in there for repentance. Are you ready? For godly sorrow produces a change of mind, a change of direction, a change of purpose that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret. Kyle, I love how mine reads. Look at this. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin, everybody say repentance, and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. Kyle, I love how this reads. But worldly sorrow, which lacks, which lacks change, results in spiritual death. See, I'm telling you, there are some of you here, you've never truly been saved. I don't even believe in rededication. Makes me want to vomit. My son rededicated his life. I said, I don't want to hear that again. There's no such thing in Scripture. You repent to be saved, you repent to work it out, and one day we will be saved. Guys, I'm not perfect. You can call my wife. She's making a list, checking it twice. I ain't getting nothing for Christmas. But repentance is a change. My grandson, when he was little, Canaan, he was five. His sister was like two, and he loved shoving her. Just shoved her for no... One day he shoved her. She did a little cartwheel, flipped over, started crying. I thought she hurt herself. She was mad, but she was hurt. And I looked at Canaan. He's got the biggest smile. And I looked at him, and he said, I'm sorry. Was he sorry? I said, Canaan, you could have broke her neck. He started crying. He said, I am. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Five years old, I'm sorry. I said, tell her, Jordan, I really, I'm sorry. She wouldn't even look at him. Two years old, she already got an attitude. Are you ready? You know what I heard all day long? <laughs> he, he would catch her and he'd go, you want to push me? Push me. I really, I'm, he was trying to tell her, I'm sorry, push me. Repentance is a change. Are you ready? But I want you to hear me. Worldly sorrow, you regret it. 
If you know the name Mickey Mantle, say I do. I watched Mickey Mantle play baseball. Sports Illustrated, 1995. He was on the front cover. And here's what he said. Little boys, don't be like me, but play ball like me. Mickey Mantle, like Babe Ruth, was a womanizer and an alcoholic. You know what he said? I was a great partier with my sons. I was just a lousy dad. And in 1995, he was put in the hospital, about to die. He called Bobby Richardson in, who played second base for the Yankees. I've met some of Bobby Richardson's family, and they verified. Mickey called Bobby Richardson and said, would you come to my hospital room? I'm dying. This is six weeks before he passed away. Bobby walked in. He said, Bobby, do you remember when you shared Jesus with me? Yeah. Remember, instead of picking up the Bible, I picked up a bottle of beer. By the way, I haven't had a drink of alcohol in 45, 50 years. And that's, that's, I know you can, I can have a beer and wine. God literally took that desire away. I want to be an example, not an excuse. He said, I've got one regret in my life. Listen to what he said. I regret that I didn't get saved back then. He convinced me. He said, Bobby, I, I, I'm a Christian. He said, I got saved. I wanted you to know that what you did years, years ago, I never forgot. That day they prayed together. But here's what Mickey Mantle said. I regret, not that I was a better dad or son or husband, but I regret that I never gave my life to Jesus sooner. And six weeks later, he died. In the foyer, my story's back there. My mom died lost. I loved her for 14 years. I found my dad after 42 years. I was four. I found him at 46. For six years, I witnessed to him. In May of uh, 2004, 78 years old, got throat cancer, bone cancer. They gave him five months to live. Already lost one parent to health. So I flew to San Francisco with my wife, and on June 1st, 2004, I had bought him some Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was hungry that day. He was going through all kinds of stuff. Hospice was already there. We went back, and he laid on the bed. I wish I would have videoed this. I don't even know if I owned a video camera. And I knelt down next to my dad's bed. Because I had forgiven him years before that, and he said he didn't want to be in my life. And so 28 years passed. Not a day I didn't pray for him. And on June 1st, I'm going to ask if you would go ahead and begin to come play. Look at me close. Don't, don't close your Bibles because I haven't given you five. I always forget five. I went back and I knelt. Can you imagine, Kyle? I knelt down. Did you grow up with Christian parents? Can I say something? One of my books is called Toilable Christianity. Everybody's got a story. Can I go ahead and tell you, if I was going to choose a testimony, I'd choose yours. I'll never know the love of my mom or dad. I'll never know what you call family. Siblings, I'm the oldest of eight. Half-brother died from needles. Two half-sisters are alcoholics. Another half-brother is in and out of drug rehab. Another half-brother went to prison for years. He's now out. I helped him get his first book published. He's born again, and his life's been turned around, married, kids. I have a half-sister I know nothing about, my baby sister, when I found her, had a hepatitis C from needles, cirrhosis of the liver, from alcohol. Her 12-year-old little boy could barely walk. 
my stories, CD, DVD, my books. I knelt down to my dad and I said, Dad, you need Jesus. And here's what he said. I'm going to use a strong word, okay? I'm going to use a cuss word. It's a biblical word. He said, I've been a bastard all my life. That's what he said. That's what they call Jesus in John chapter 8. Same thing. He said, I deserve hell. I said, Dad, we all deserve hell. And on June 1st, I wish I'd have videoed this. I led my 78-year-old dad to the Lord. He cried for a second time. The first time was when I found him. I found him in 98 and was able to tell him my story. He cried that day. He began to cry and he pulled me close. His hand was a little bit bigger than mine. And he said three things to me. I wish, if I would have videoed this, I'd watch it every Father's Day. I like preaching on Father's Day so I can, because do you understand, 38 million kids in America have no idea where their dad is, real dad. 19 million kids in America have never seen their real father. Here's what my, he cried. He said, if this is what being saved is, he said, I've never had more peace than right now. They gave him five months to live. Throat cancer, bone cancer. He said, I bet you you would have been a great son. And then he said this. I've been wanting to tell you for six years and I'm sorry. It wasn't five months, church. It was 12 days. My dad died in his sleep. My dad died with a lot of regrets. Today, don't let pride, don't let pride keep you from listening to the Spirit of God. Number five, number five, the Holy Spirit starts it. You realize that you're lost. God gives you saving faith to believe. You repent. And here's number five. Everybody say, not guilty. Man, I love it. Isn't that bold right there? I love. Whoever's your tech people, that great job. Look at this. Not guilty. Forgiven how? Forever. Acts 5.31 and Acts 10.43. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand. Prince and Savior, he did this so the people of Israel would what? Of their and be Go to Acts 10, 10, 43. I think that's what. He is the one of all prophets testified about, saying that everyone who in him will have their forgiven through his. I watched my mom lay in a bed. I was able to forgive her told her I was sorry for hating her. I watched her laying in bed at the age of 52, looked like she was 82. I wiped the blood from her eyes. Her skin turned yellow. Her body bloated. And my mom died lost. Hell is going to be full. You know what scares me, Kyle? How many of y'all know good people that are not Christians? Raise your hand. This scares me, Kyle. I know good lost people that are better than most saved people. They've got better marriages, better finances, better kids, better character. But here's the problem. 
I wish I could preach about 10 messages today because good will never get you to heaven. Hell will be full of good people. And by the way, I promise you, sitting in this room, there are some of you that failed the test today. All you had to do is miss one. So let me ask, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you do it for me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I didn't preach to noon just to preach to noon. I hope you know that I meant this. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask some of the staff here, maybe their wives included, to come and kneel at this altar, and I want you to pray for this invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know why I have your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I don't want you to look around and see what somebody else is doing. If you learn something today, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you learn something today, raise your hand. I just want to see. Put them down. I'm always learning. Every time I preach, I'm always learning. I'm going to ask two questions. Here's the first. I'm not going to come grab anybody. I'm not going to follow anybody. How many sitting here would say, if my heart were to stop, if I were to die? Now listen to my question. I'm not asking about your christening, your baptism, your sprinkling. And you can be christened and sprinkled. It's not biblical. It's not a bad thing. It's just not biblical. It won't save you. You can get baptized, and it won't save you. I'm not asking about your baptism, your church membership. I'm not asking about your convictions. I'm not asking. I'm asking one simple question. If your heart were to stop or you were to die, lost a grandson to heaven, almost lost two more. At my grandson's funeral, I gave an invitation. 80 people out of 1,400 gave their life to Christ. Most of them were adults. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, as people are praying. How many sitting here with just me looking so I can know how to pray? How many of you can say, Brother Ken, I listened to the message and I looked at my heart. I examined me. Brother Ken, I got five out of five. Brother Ken, if my heart were to stop, if I were to die right now, I know that I'm going to be with Jesus. I got five out of five. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Please be careful. Put them down. Second question. Now, there were several hands that didn't go up, so let me ask the second question. And I'm not going to come grab you. I'm not going to follow you. I just want to know so I can pray. How many here, don't look at your husband, your wife, your parents, your kids, your friends, but how many sitting here would say, if my heart were to stop, if I were to die, Brother Ken, this might surprise my husband, my wife, my kids, my parents, my church, my pastor. My son, everybody knew who I was. And three of his best friends gave their life to Christ that same night, didn't even know that Jeremy had gotten saved. So let me ask question number two. How many here would say, Brother Ken, I'm gonna be more real than I've ever been, but if my heart were to stop, if I were to die, just a few days ago in Louisiana, a young man kills his parents and kills three other people. I don't know where this other deal, a guy walked into a bank, barricaded the bank and shot all five people, killed him in the bank. 
So let me ask you, if your heart were to stop, if you were to die, how many here would be honest and real enough to say, Brother Ken, I didn't get five out of five. I failed the test. Would you pray for me? With nobody looking but me, would you raise your hands right now? Come on, put them up high. Come on, all over this room, in the balcony, all over this room. Don't be ashamed or afraid. I put them back down. Now, some of y'all raised your hand before I even finished my question. I saw some not raise your hand to either question, so I got to tell you why. Maybe you don't understand the question. Maybe God's not dealing with you. Maybe God's done dealing with you. I hope not. Or maybe you just don't need God, and you'll never know you need God till you need God. Are you ready? So let me do it again. How many one more time would say, Brother Ken, I may be the only one here, but I failed the test. I didn't get five out of five. Would you pray for me? Raise your hand one more time. Come on, put them up high. Come on, sir. Mom, dad, church member, visitor, hold them up high. The very back. I see you. I see you. I put them down. I saw you in the balcony. Now, you that raised your hands, I want to help you. You guys can make your way back to your seat if you're done. Or you can stay right there because I'm not going to make up some number, but there were several that said, I failed the test. Now, the second part of my invitation is going to be for, for believers. Some of you aren't doing good, good with the quizzes. But you that said, Brother Ken, I failed the test, I'm lost. That's what you just admitted at least twice. Brother Ken, I'm lost. I'm without a Savior, spiritually ruined, can't help me. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of playing games. And now God says, I want to give you faith. I want everybody to say, I believe. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Say, I believe. Jesus, born of a virgin, walked this earth, died on my cross, took my place for my sins. Couldn't earn it, buy it, but I believe it. He rose again, coming again, and he did it for me. You see, the Bible says in Romans 10, if you can believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that he's Lord, he said, I'll save you. So here's what we're going to do. For you that failed the test, we're going to pray together. Listen to me close. This is not a get out of hell prayer. It's not a magical prayer. This prayer is a confession of your heart. And so young man, sir, mom, dad, little boy, little girl, church member, visitor, staff person, Sunday school teacher. If you can believe this with your heart, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. You can whisper, move your lips, softly speak it. You can shout it. I don't care. But if you'd like to be saved, pray this with me right now. Just say, hey, Jesus, I failed the test. Tell him, Jesus, I don't care what anybody in this room thinks. I'm lost. Without a Savior, spiritually ruined. Jesus, I can't help me. Jesus, I want to thank you today. I may be the only one that your spirit has spoken to, but I believe I'm lost, and I don't want to be lost. Jesus, I want to thank you for loving me, for dying for me, for forgiving me. I thank you for the cross. So today, Jesus, I want to tell you I'm sorry for my sin. Tell him. You don't got to make a list. He knows your heart. I'm sorry for the pride, the lies, whatever it is. Jesus, I'm sorry. He knows your heart. I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Now, Jesus, I want to repent. 
Here's what that means. Hey, Jesus, change my direction, how I walk today. Change my mind, how I think today. Jesus, today, change my purpose, how I live. I receive you into my life, and with my lips, I call you Lord, Savior, Father, friend, forever. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Only you and God knows if you meant business. I'm the only one looking, so I'm going to ask. If that prayer was your heart, God just saved you. I don't care who you are or what you've done. If you prayed that with me just now and you're not ashamed, raise your hands. Come on, put them up high. Come on, all over this place. Hold them up high. Come on, young lady, young man, balcony. Hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Now put them down. Now I'm going to ask you to do two more things. Nobody's going to make you do anything. Matthew 10, Mark 8, Luke 9, John 12. Four times Jesus says this. If you're not ashamed of me and my words, I won't be ashamed of you. In fact, he makes it more clear. If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you to the Father. So here we go. If what you did was real, I'm going to count to three. And as I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand, remain standing with your head bowed. It's real simple. If you didn't mean it, don't stand. If you got to look around, don't stand. In fact, if you can't stand here, you'll never stand anywhere. Are you ready? Are you ready? For you that said, Brother Ken, I, I prayed that with you. I believe that he saved me. Don't wait for me to count to three. Stand up right now. Come on, stand up right now. All over this room. Come on, young lady. Young man, sir, in the balcony. Don't be ashamed. Because if you can't stand here, you'll never stand out there. I'm only going to count once. If you truly believe what you did was real today, maybe like my son, and my, grand, I want my, and my grandson, maybe like my granddaughter, they, they said some stuff, but down the road they were saved. Keep standing. I'm only going to count once. Are you ready? I see you in the balcony. If you believe today that he just saved you, stand up as I say one, come on, somebody else, two, and I will not count again. Because if you can't stand here with people that love you, You'll never stand anywhere. I saw you at the very back. Thank you, dude. One, two, three. Is there one more? You just can't sit there any longer. And you that are standing, look at me. Everybody else, keep your head bowed. If you're standing, look at me. Look at me. You that are standing, I want you to step up from your seats. Come stand right here and face me right now. Step right now. Come on. From the balcony, make your way down. There's stairs. Come on. If you're standing, come on. Right here. Come face me. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Enough is enough. Just come stand right here and face me. Unashamed, unafraid. Come on. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed unafraid. And you that are standing here, look at me. I'm going to start over here. He's heard me all week. And I'm going to come all the way over to here. This is not a recommitment. This is not a rededication. This is not a do-over. In a moment, I'm going to have my time with the believers. 
This is what you're saying, and if it is, I want you to nod your head. What you're saying is, Brother Ken, I don't know what I've done to this point, but here's what I know today. I believe today, with everything that I am, that God saved me today. That's what I believe. That's what you're saying. Would you nod your head? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. This is the greatest day of your life. And if this church ever needed something, we need to see people come to Jesus every week. Would you bow your heads? You that are seated, would you look up? Won't you look up? Want you to look up? Would you give these people a round of applause? Would you do it? Would you do it? Oh no, like you mean it. If you're gonna clap, clap. Not a golf clap. This is what this church has been known for for years. This is the kingdom of God. Change. Now, stay right where you are. You that are standing here, look at me. In a moment, counselors, I'm going to need one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I need about 14 ladies over here to my left and your right quickly. I need 14 ladies that'll help record their decision. 14 ladies over here to my left and your right. I, can, I can't say it any clearer. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're on staff, if you're a secretary, all you got to do is fill out a stinking card. I need 14. I need one, two, three, four, five, six. I need about eight men over here to my left and your right. Eight men. Now, you, you that are here with me, look at me. Look at me. If you truly believe, and my son walked aisles, prayed prayers, and my son at 16 realized that he needed to be saved. Caleb. His oldest sister, I went and did a crusade. This is when, this is right after that crusade is when Trey got this virus, turned into leukemia. We had over 1,300 that night in the service. And I watched Brittany. She invited about 40 of her friends, and they came. More than half of them got saved, and I saw her come down with them and rejoice. That night, we were at the house. And she said, I need to say something to everybody. I know you thought I came down with my friends, but I, I got saved. She said, I remember praying with my dad when I was about six or seven. But she said, I, I may have done that for my dad. All I know is tonight God saved me. She's going to be heading probably to, to the mission fields. Right in your Bible today's date, I passed the test. Right today's day, you'll never have to do this again. And let me give you good news. The divorces, the adultery, the abortions, the, the drugs, the alcohol. Can I go ahead and say this to you? No matter what you've done, I love God. 
he will never bring up your past. He's not a God of the past. Next time the enemy reminds you of your past, remind the enemy of his future. Amen? So let me do this. Can I have the ladies first? Ladies, would you walk that way? Just head that way. The ladies standing here, head that way. Clap for them again. Ladies, meet them. Meet them. Get them, ladies. You're going to pray. Try to get them back in here. All right, gentlemen, would you head that way? Here they come, men. Make sure every man gets one. Clap for the men. Now, would you remain standing with your heads bowed? You just thought we were done. Is this worth going extra, yes or no? 20-something or so were saved today. Almost 30, maybe 30. With every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Brother, can I pass the test? I know I'm saved. Raise your hand one more time. Hold them up high. I know I'm saved. I put them down. Now I see some of y'all not raising your hand. I wouldn't leave this place. Now, the Spirit of God may not, maybe He's not dealing with you, but I wouldn't leave. I'll be at my table when we're done. I'll pray with you. How many of you say, Brother, can I pass the test, but I'm not doing good with the pop quizzes? You know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all would be honest and say, Brother, can I pass the test? I'm just not doing good with the quizzes. I'm critical, complacent, compromised. Brother, can I'm, I, I, I don't have a passion maybe for the Word, or I'm not burdened for loss. Brother, can I know I'm saved, but I'm just not doing good with the quizzes. If that's you with nobody looking, just put your hands up. Come on, put them up all over this place. Hold my pie. Come on, put them up. I'm not being the husband, the wife. I'm not the spiritual leader. One moment, they're going to sing. I'm just going to take a few more moments, then I'll turn over to your pastor. I'm going to open up this altar right now. Every one of you that raised your hands, I want you to come and kneel at this altar. Say, God, I want to repent today. God, I want to work it out today. God, I want to give up my, my shame, my blame. I want to give up my compromise. God, I want, to be, I want to be a better servant. I want to be a better husband. You may want to, husband, you may want to bring your wife. You may want to go grab your kids. So you raised your hands. I didn't. Every one of you that just raised your hands, step out right now. Come on, right now, all over this room. Come and kneel at the front of this altar. Just come and say, hey, God, I want to do better with the quizzes. I want to be a better tither. I want to be a better student of the Word. I, I want to be a better witness at my job. I, I, I want to be a better son or daughter. Would you come? I want to do better with the quizzes. Go ahead and lead us. Go ahead and lead us. Come on, come on. Step out. Would you come? Husband, grab your wife. Come pray. Would you come? If you're looking for a church home, pastor's right here. Just say, come to this pastor. Say, pastor, I want to be a part of this. This is a great place to join today. Would you come? With breath that brings a day. Some of you come and pray over these that are kneeling. Would you do it? Would you come? Just a few minutes. Come on. Come on. With mercy strong that carries shame. 
Would you step out? God, hear our prayers. I need some more prayer warriors. Come and kneel behind some of these deacons, young people. Come on. God, help me. Help us to do better with the quizzes. Put a hand on one of them. God, I want to be a better servant. I want to be better light. Would you come? you're standing next to your wife, put your arm around her and pray over your wife. Thank God for your wife. Man, if you're standing next to a neighbor or a friend, put your arm around him just a moment. Say thanks. 45 minutes from my house. I haven't been there yet. I'm going to try to go this next week. A man walked into a church 45 minutes from my house. Family was there. Children were there. And from a nine-month-old to a 70-year-old, this man walked in and shot and killed 26 people in a church service. We live in a really messed up world. Sat aside in all of our churches is empty pews, empty chairs. 
Hey, next week, bring somebody that just needs hope or healing or help. Today, when you get a chance, thank God for your family. Hey, ask that waiter or waitress, hey, we're getting ready to pray. How could we pray for you? Hey, there's great days ahead. Church, I'm telling you, you've been under attack, and I'm going to tell you why. Anytime we become a threat to the enemy, he's coming after us. So I challenge you, remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Father, thank you for the ones that were saved today. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for worship. God, I want to thank you for Jeff McGowan, the football player that got me to go to church. Wherever he is today, we've lost contact. I pray you bless him. I pray for this pastor and this staff. They would fall so in love with your word. They would be so led by your spirit. Fresh anointing. God, I pray that you'd raise this church up again. God, I love the cross on the top because it's all about that. We give you praise.